Actually, best choice movies, the world's only movie podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Chris Chafin. Hey, baby boys and girls. Caleb Shively, also host. Hey, it's great to talk to you, Caleb. Hey, hope you're having a great. Hope you're having a great evening. It's rainy this evening, huh? It was so nice earlier, and then it got a little cloudy, and then the boo boo. Hot fret means a cold fret. Precipitation occurs. That is very beautifully and poetically put, and I agree. <laughs> um, scientific. <laughs> every episode on Actually Best Choice Movies, we talk to you about two movies. One of them is old, one of them is new, but they fit together like, say, the present and the past. Caleb, what would you oh, say? Good Lord, like uh, one's life and looking back and the memories that occur within such being. But yes, we look at... Good movies in the sense that good can be talked about. Can be talked about. I'll just end my sentence there. Uh, good job. And, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, uh, we do uh, this uh, once a year for uh, the holiest of holidays to celebrate uh, 420. Uh, I think this is the fourth time we did it. I don't know. We did it uh, two official ones. And then, like, 2020, when things were going to shit, we just, like, yeah, did like a John Carpenter esque episode, <laughs> which was like kind of 420, but we didn't talk it was about pretty, 420 stuff. It was a pretty rough time for the world, and I think for yeah. people in New York City, especially. Yeah, think, thoughts were in thing, but like, you know, last year we did uh, uh, Nobody and Mandy. We have uh, The Beach Bum came out during our first year, which is oh, a that was great. Yeah. Insane Stoner movie, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, we did it with Popstar, which is a movie we just want to talk about because we are, it's a great to get stoned with. Um, but hey, uh, this year we're talking about. A movie that's very much within the stoner canon, and that director who brought it there, Richard Linkletter, who has a new movie out, if you didn't know, because you don't pay attention to Netflix emails you get, but Richard Richard Linkletter had Richard Netflix letter. <laughs> Richard Netflix letter. <laughs> has a new movie on Netflix, which is awesome, that anytime to celebrate this filmmaker that I uh, really like, um, Apollo 10 and a half, it's uh, 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 one of his more his rotoscope animated films, his third animated film, uh, and then uh, 420 episode. Uh, we gotta do it. It's dazed and confused. Finally, talking about the Citizen Kane of stoner movies in its okay. way, dazed and confused. It's I uh, uh, can't wait to talk about uh, one of the greats. Two amazing movies. That's all this week on actually best choice. Movies! Movies! But before we get to any of that, uh, so we're talking about Richard Linkletter this week. Like you said, we're doing two Linkletter movies. Um, and, you know, it is really interesting to see, you know, the like it, you can very much tell it's a Richard Linkletter movie in, in a hundred different ways. And it's interesting to think about, yeah. you know, the way his movies are so similar Um no matter what his kind of subject matter or the tone of his movies, they're always kind of the same, you know, but in a way that's great, I think. Oh yeah. I mean, there, uh, yes and no. And budget is also a huge factor of that, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, I think he is one of the more, uh, important American filmmakers, uh, since the nineties is when, uh, uh, slacker came out in 1990, uh, yeah, uh, he's experimental in style and uh, approach, uh, and he is more of a descendant of uh, the French New Wave, like the more uh, Eric Romare, Robert Bresson. Uh, but yeah, still very wholly American, and uh, I say American and not Hollywood, which uh, there is a distinction there, because he's not Hollywood. He uh, doesn't film, doesn't uh, live in Hollywood, he uh, still lives in Austin, all his all his maybe i'm trying to think all set in texas probably um but yeah i would say if uh, there there are marks of uh that he uh goes to a lot uh, and we'll get into specific films in a sec but uh he's very uh suburban in his approach uh in setting and also he like we mentioned memory uh like all his films deal with uh not necessarily nostalgia, but more of uh, memories of things, which is nostalgia, but also the, the he talks or like philosophizes about uh, the perception of memory itself, uh, like looking back and the, the the passage of time and how that comes back. And, uh, and I think it's more obvious in uh, 
some of the, the animated films I mentioned earlier, uh, Waking Life and The Scanner Darkly, and then to a more uh, uh, easygoing down sense in the film we're about to talk about, Apollo 10 and a half. But even when, like, the films that he, like, aren't as uh, Richard Linklaterly, which I'm talking about, he, re- he remade Bad News Bears, which is a, a, a very, I mean, he's remaking movie there. Uh, and the me and Orson Welles, which I don't know how people feel about it. I think I kind of liked it. And, like, even the uh, his more recent output, which kind of went under the re- radar of uh, Last Flag Flying and Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Uh, like, Last Flag Flying is a sequel to The Last Detail, which is, you know, making a sequel 30, 40 years later. And Where'd You Go, Bernadette, based off of a, uh, an earlier novel. Uh, but yeah, so Richard Linkletter, I would say memory and the thought of time is, like, the biggest tomes of uh, what he explores, which is a very big concept to latch onto or to explore as an artist but it's, it's kind of cool and I, I i would very much say that two films we are discussing today are very much in that vein yeah dude i mean richard linkletter right i mean so we're talking about these it's our sonar episode you know certainly like days and confused and neat waking life i mean i remember seeing waking life that was a time in my life where i was smoking a huge amount of pot when i watched waking life and it was yeah i mean it's great it's a fantastic movie to watch when you're high weird that alex jones is in it um but it's mm-hmm. interesting to think of him as just a weirdo in texas which is as that he's a lot more palatable not to say that he's palatable at all but do you know what i'm saying like as a richard yeah, linkletter character he seems as a like character yeah you know like <laughs> as a person who can uh hold down a bunch of words <laughs> just shout and also seems to be obviously be insane because he's yelling in a megaphone from a car you know like <laughs> so like obviously he's nuts but it's like you know whatever fine there are nuts people um I mean, what I think is really similar about these movies, though, is just the way that they are so, like, incredibly nostalgic and the way that, the way that, you know, a filmmaker can be nostalgic and and essentially the same, have essentially the same impulse in in so many different works, but have it come across so, so differently Mm -hmm. in, in all of them. Like, I, as a kid watching Days and Confused, like, I, I almost looked at it like a science fiction movie where it's like, science fiction is about the future but really it's about the present like as a teen i watched this and i was like okay this is set in the past but this is just what it's like to be a kid and you know i completely identified with it and it didn't strike me as being a quote-unquote about the 70s even though like obviously it is do you know what mm-hmm. i mean but yeah 100%, but then when yeah. you watch apollo 10 and a half it's like okay this is like extremely nostalgic this is like a cnn show produced by rolling stone this is like like very very nostalgic about how great it was to be a kid in, in the 60s and it, it i just found that really funny because it's like i don't know obviously richard lecletter like you're saying is one of the great american filmmakers definitely of course i mean did we you know i actually have never seen boyhood but you know people think that oh amazing great. film yeah i know uh, that's it's one of those great. Fr- yeah I mean, the thing is, uh, I, I guess I mean, maybe I'm not crazy. I think maybe I don't think I'm crazy about Richard Linkletter, although I did recently oh. see Slacker for the first time. And I, Damn, I think man. I love Slacker. I love Waking Life. I love Days and Confused. Um, but maybe that's where, as far as I have gone with Richard Linkletter, really, you know? If I would give uh, uh, a wrong answer, it would be that I think uh, Slacker is more stonery than Days and Confused, which it's not... Because uh, Days and Confused is just billowing the smoke out at you, but Slacker just has this whacked out philosophy and like really just changed the game of uh, that plotless narrative. And uh, there is a plotlessness to a lot of his better films, such as Days and Confused. Uh, but Slacker just was like, no, just not even caring. Like, there's absolutely no plot; just bleeding conversations into each other. Uh, and I mean, it's it, a it, really it's interesting. A fucking, trip and then you think about like stuff his before trilogy which is a a high testament of filmmaking in general there's three of these uh and talk about time he filmed those every seven years uh, every no five eight years he filmed those uh there's three of them uh and uh yeah so he and those are set before uh, over a night one set in during two hours uh before midnight's uh over like a course of an evening uh yeah, man, those are just fucking amazing screenplays, and also uh, a, 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 one of the finest examples of giving a director giving it up to his uh, actors, performers, because they also get screenwriting credits in it because of so many. Um, <laughs> so the, I think th- those are experimental films. 
in that they are, are a trilogy and the most amazing one of the most amazing trilogies and then you think about like boyhood which was 2014 and that was shot over 12 years like once a year shit so like you yeah. go back to uh 2014 so it started in 2002 which is he uh 2001 is when he did waking life he also had tape come out which is a he didn't write tape but i i, I like tape it's a, 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 a another of his great collaborations with ethan hawk but then you think about like oh what was he doing since then and that was his like there was a before movie in there but also that's when he did bad news bears and uh another i would say one of his other more successful uh stoner movies and that in the sense it's fucking fun as fuck is uh school of rock because you forget that oh school of uh, rock I he love knows school how to rock and i and i also like energy uh, yeah yeah school of rock is a is a fun movie and uh of school course uh, so everybody wants good. some is great didn't we do everybody wants some on this show uh i don't think so that was like 2016 Oh, really? I have a, uh, yeah, I loved, I love uh, uh, the spiritual sequel to Days and Confused, yeah, uh, college baseball so, team. Right? Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, I think what's great about Days and Confused and about Slacker is they just so vividly like recreate what it's like to. I mean, the people call them hangout movies, and it's such a facile thing to say, but it is just funny to think how much of your life is just this stuff that isn't, isn't usually in movies that is in Richard Linkletter movies, which is just like hanging out and not doing anything in particular and just, you know, or even if you're doing something that's like crazy, like hitting mailboxes with baseball bats or whatever, it's just also kind of just whatever, <laughs> you know, it, it's mm-hmm. these kind of like between moments. I mean, it, and he, he does such a good job of showing just like, you're walking somewhere and you just have a weird conversation with somebody and then you just leave and you don't really think about it again. I mean, this happened to me just earlier today. Some guy came up to me on the street corner in the rain and started, he was one of these guys who like, he walks up to you and goes like, Hey, don't worry. I'm not asking you for money. And then like one second later is asking you for money. But it was just like, he told me this whole long story about his life and about like (laughs) sleeping under a bridge. And he did, he was really smooth. Uh, He did. He was like, if look, if you don't carry currency, I do take cash app. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if life is a series of stories or words that people tell you, I, I think Richard Linklater nails that. And in his more stonery films, uh, uh, I mean, Days we're going to talk about in a sec, but uh, definitely Slacker. Uh, uh, but uh, I mean, his other rotoscope movies before we get to the, his new one, uh, I mean, Waking Life and Scanner Darkly are fucking trippy as balls out, man. It's I mean, it's just people talking and then the animation gets weird. Uh that should sound appealing to everyone. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you do get stoned during these movies, you'll like get lost and come back in and like you'll find it and go, yeah, man. Uh, I think uh, the word man in Richard Linklater movies is probably uttered more than any other director's uh, man as a sense of recognizing another human being. <laughs> um, but yeah, he like, I mean, with, with, with dazed and confused in slacker already, uh, which what was his, uh, uh, 1990, 93, like his first two big movies, uh, like he's he, he's stoner bona fides. Like he's he's there forever. Like the, 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 he's fine. Like he could make any movie and he's still like one of the better stoner directors of all time. <laughs> and like the before, I mean, I mean, I could, I, as a person who gets stoned and watches a lot of film in general, uh, like I like uh, the philosophical bent of uh, the before, trilo- before, I would say it's before sunrise is amazing to watch stoned. Uh, I haven't watched Before Midnight in, in a while. Uh, Birdie I don't is know if that really counts movie. as a stoner movie, though. I mean, I, I mean, in the sense that you could watch a movie stoned. You as could, like watch, a, you could as do anything stoned. I mean, and that is one of the great appeals of pot is that it makes literally anything interesting. But there do. is like a, a philosophical bent that if you're like a certain type of stoner who uh, isn't a film, which is, if anything, this podcast is for. Uh, <laughs> like there is being like, oh, yeah, there is a, like a laid back, like free flowingness to to those films. Uh uh, and then I think like Bernie also has that. Uh, Bernie's one of my favorite movies, uh, but it also has like those like loud moments of just being like, "Oh fuck, we're having fun here too." Uh, I don't know. It's like uh, uh, rhythm is an underrated thing in the film. In uh, a filmmaker does, I think. Uh, well, yeah, he's Link so Litter good. Is at, a very he's so slow good at in his. Right. Yeah, he's very slow and precise with it. Uh, uh, that the like louder moments hit harder or. or uh, a crescendo of a song would come together. Uh, yeah, just uh, he can he can do this thing like you're saying about tempo, where it's like he makes a movie. It has this kind of like conversational hangout kind of emotional logic to it, even when like 
A, nothing is happening, and B, it's strictly speaking, it doesn't make any sense. But it's just like you completely understand it and identify with it because of the way, like you're saying, like the rhythm that it's pitched at and the sort of like not dream logic, but like kind of hangout logic that everybody's following and all the hangout events. logic's a good way know. to put it. It's all about uh, just the real rhythm that you sense when you're with people of like, oh yeah, there is those natural pauses or there is those uh, natural just like, just look at each other. Like you just, or just you're in the room and just reacting to you're people. You're like bored and, and you're not saying the right thing all the time. And like, you're like maybe I mean, acting just, a little weird, you know? Uh, like life is closer to conversation than action. And uh, there is yeah. way more conversation in his movies in, in, in general. Uh, that's that's, Caleb, did you just make that up? That was very profound. I did, yeah. That's actually <laughs> fucking great, dude. <laughs> I really like that a lot. Shit, pull that. It's true, pull though. That. You mostly yeah, spend yeah. your time just sitting around talking to people. I mean, life it's, is closer it, to conversation than action. <laughs> I mean, 100%, dude. <laughs> Uh, I would say, yeah, just to, to, to maybe close a little bit and move on to the first film, uh, but uh, to look at uh, a director's over it, I, I, I'm a self-proclaimed big Richard Linklater fan. Uh, you look at their weaker films to, to see their strengths, uh, which uh, would be uh, Suburbia, which is a bad movie, I would say. Uh, and even Fast Food Nation's kind of bad. Uh, but still, there's like that filmmaker, there's a filmmaker quality to it where like he maybe took a paycheck like he, he is like he does get like studio work uh i don't i don't think he might anymore because i think he has a lot of uh l- lost money uh within his uh more recent uh studio work uh i don't know boyhood made money. <laughs> well it's I mean, interesting actually i would like to talk about this when we talk about <laughs> apollo 10 and a half because i i did you know do a little bit of research into this movie I didn't find the development history of it, but I'm just very curious about how this movie happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like it just is so strange to me. I mean, I did say we did mention School of Rock, which uh, she is. I think that was like over a uh, hundred million worldwide. Like, yeah, definitely. That was so long ago, yeah. though. That was before I even moved to New York. School of Rock mm-hmm. came out. You know, that was when he first started doing like his his. Uh, no one knew that he was starting filming Boyhood. He's like, I'll do some studio movies too while I'm making this. That's actually pretty funny. (laughs) I remember being so psyched when I started working at North Six because it was like they filmed part of um, School of Rock there. And they were like, oh yeah, they filmed it over there. Yeah, I remember um, Newton Boys being like a very big flop. I think that was like a, I actually got to find it right here. It was a $27 million budget and it made 10 million, which was, that was like late 90s. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, Yeah, School of Rock, $35 $35 million budget made $130 million, so That's good. That gets you a lot of work in Hollywood. They're like, oh, just do that again. You know? Oh, the, the Sunset movies are very, very uh, profitable, too. That's yeah. kind of awesome. Like, yeah, before yeah, Sunset. Yeah. See, this uh, is I why mean, he gets work, is because yeah. he there was a time period where he was making a lot of money for people. He could right? make a movie on the cheap, yeah. He could, he could I mean, yeah. before and Men make Boyhood. It profitable, yeah. Boyhood's budget was only $4 million, and that's crazy. But, like, how did, for, I mean, you know, I mean, how yeah, is he even like keeping very, track of that? A movie that he made over the course of, like, 20 yeah. years, you know? <laughs> it, it is very, also, just filming a scene a day or a week, whatever. So, yeah, he could easily do that. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Um, do you want to move More on and talk the, about the first movie? Yes. Uh, it is called, uh, I'll say the full title because I don't think I actually did. It is called Apollo Ten and a Half: A Space Age Childhood. Living in the Houston area in the late 60s, it was a great time and place to be a kid. But the world was changing and so was how we saw ourselves in it. Right on. <laughs> Mom, is that one a hippie? Yeah, yeah, that's a hippie. How about that one? No, his hair's not long enough. But he's wearing bell bottoms. Okay, that's a hippie. I think I like hippies. Apollo 10 and a half, a space age childhood is the new film from Richard Linklater. Like we're talking about, it's a rambling didactic kid's eye view vision of the 1960s space race. The main character, Stan, who's a young boy growing up in Houston uh, during this whole exciting tension, anxious time. Um, yeah, some people have called this link letters like Roma or Belfast. I have seen that written somewhere um, because he also was a young boy growing up in Houston at this time. And this is his kind of like schmaltzy ode to his childhood, you know? Uh, so, you know, theoretically, actually, this movie has kind of a fun concept in the first like 10 minutes. 
which is that um, Stan gets recruited by NASA to be the actually the secret first person to go to the moon because they actually they accidentally made the lunar lander too small. And <laughs> there's this great scene where these two NASA guys who are like men in black or something are like, are you good at, because they say they made the thing too small and Stan goes, what? And they're like, well, look, are you good at math? And he was like, yeah. And they were like, would well, you get hundreds every time? And he was like, no. And he's like, well, cut it with the exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's pretty funny. But um, basically immediately after that scene, the movie just completely drops that plot line <laughs> and brings it back kind of in the last like 15 minutes, but like not even really. It's just kind of a, um, the movie just becomes this rambling series of loose connection of snapshots of stuff that happened in the sixties. If you were Richard Linklater growing up in Texas, you know, you play with fireworks, your mom smokes a lot, your dad drank and drove because it was everybody did at the time. It was fine. Um, you went to the amusement parks and the whole thing has this Jack black narration where it just, it sounds like Richard Linklater wrote an op-ed for the New York times. And like Jack black is just reading it. Like literally some of the dialogue that Jack black has to say is like, Boy, I'll never forget all the kids in the neighborhood growing up. <laughs> You're like, okay, man. Um, so, but the the other thing about this movie is it's it's a children's movie. It is a children's movie. It is a movie for children. If this movie at times feels like a sixth grade history video about the 1960s, it's because it is basically that. It is it is a children's movie, and that's also maybe why it's possible you haven't heard anything about this movie. Like I certainly hadn't really none no ads about this movie had reached into my corner of the world at all, even though I am a parent. So I thought that was pretty telling. Not even on Netflix was it promoting this movie to me at all. I had to search for it. Um, so, and also, like we are saying, it's one of the rotoscope movies like uh, Waking Life. Uh, Caleb, it's very rare for this show. But while I while I respected this movie, and I again, if, if I was 10 or 11 right now, maybe I would really like this movie. But um, I didn't particularly enjoy this movie. Um, how did you feel about it? Oh, uh, I'm, I was into it. It's plotless and specific at the same time. Like you're saying, I wouldn't say it's for kids. I would say it's for people who are Richard Linklater's age. Uh, no, I like, think it is. It, it says children and family on as those are the PG tags on, on Netflix. I mean, I don't fucking trust that. Dumb stuff, sure. <laughs> uh, it's rated PG 13. Uh, so 13 year olds, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but I don't know. It's it, 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 like if you're. I automatically put my thought into uh, like Waking Life and uh, Scanner Darkly, which are more darker movies. Uh, and then just to think like, oh, this is a lighter version of that movie. That's a, a weird thing to pull. And uh, I feel like the what you're saying, the plot is more uh, that he that's how he tricked Netflix into like getting him to uh to do yeah. this. Yeah. And I would not say Belfast, which you didn't see and that movie fucking sucks. <laughs> I know you um, hate Belfast. I know you I would hate say it so it's much. closer to uh uh, uh Amacord, which is great and uh, uh rest in peace Woody Allen Radio Days or uh, Amacord's from Fellini if I if I yeah. mentioned uh, uh uh and Woody Allen's Radio Days uh, which uh the Houston, Texas sixties version of those movies. Uh, but I mean, um, didn't you find it to just be, I mean, sometimes it was literally like something you, it was like, boy, the 1960s yeah, had I, a lot of tumult. And Every, I mean, leaders I mean, were getting killed every day. And now yeah, I mean, it was nothing but that. And, but uh, if you I were think, a kid, you just sat in the front yard with your best buds. Yeah. I, I think they're not, he, he is trying to make something like that. So, uh, like to just like give myself up to like, okay, I see what this type of movie is uh, for like what that's trying to do. It's still like pretty weird point of entry. The, the actual visual films, visual medium. Uh, it's still like, a, like road scoping is still weird. It is cool. Uh, I mean, it looks uh, cool. Like you can't really do. She's uh, like a 90, 195% of the things they did in this movie with an actual filming because it's impossible to recreate or uh, to do. So uh, he, and it bled, bled itself into the actual uh, how your memories are work and that uh, you're recreating it. Like you, like if you actually did live action recreating this movie would have been yeah, like millions and millions watches. and millions of dollars. But like they green screened it. And like, I think I read uh, uh, anything not touched was green screened and like drawn. Uh, uh, and it is the same animator uh, uh, from the other two films. Uh, his name's Tommy Pelota. Uh, and yeah, it's kind of underrated animation because like the film is so like treacly and sweet, uh, but it's very precise, uh, like recreation and rotoscope animation is to highlight, uh, 
movement. Uh, yeah. So like, there's a lot of like tiny things of uh, like kids staring on the couch or like rushing to the TV to fight over or like the dad scooting up or like telling or his even kids just, to be quiet. Quiet. Yeah. The 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 motion stuff you're saying it is really cool and great. Like I was one of the things that really struck me is like right at the end of the movie, it's the moon landing is happening. And your which is the moon landing looks cool in this rotoscope thing. It looks like the kind of thing they would just play on a screen at the back of a bar, you know, just the moon landing animation. But then there's they show Walter Cronkite talking about it, and it's it's obviously like real footage, but it's stuff you know you just don't normally doesn't normally get included in this. And he's just kind of excitedly like swiveling back and forth in his chair, <laughs> which is like it really stands out in the rotoscope, and it's so makes him seem so cute, you know, and like just like a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I um, like that a lot. Yeah, there's like, yeah, there's like, it, it, it's easy to get into. And maybe, like you said, it is, I would agree it is a, more of a family film in the sense that a lot of people could watch this and like get something from it. Like a, a film nerd, snobby people like us. Uh, and I did like that it was more factual reporting with nostalgia. And it wasn't like the past wasn't was better or worse. It, it just reports what the past was. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of cool. Like, uh, there was a lot of just dangerous things that happened that kids did, uh, like uh, being in the back of a truck without seatbelts going fast or uh, playing with fireworks. Uh, but did you uh, not playing I, in the middle of the road? That, I like, did that, yeah, enjoy. That, I did enjoy a lot of that stuff, and it was fun and cool to see. But did you not think the Jack Black voiceover was very badly written? No, <laughs> but like in the scene you're talking about them being in the truck, it's literally what he's saying something like, boy, there's seven of us driving down the highway. We weren't worried about safety. That's just what it was like in the 60s. I don't think it's bad. I think <laughs> it was what literally the, that is the dialogue. Yeah, I don't think it's bad. I think it's uh, uh, what the tone of the film uh, is going for is. Okay. Uh, I think what the uh, if you're actually uh, I would say the performance of Jack Black is very subdued, as we know. Jack Black is not a subdued person. And I'd love to see him in uh, a very a, a serious thing. And it's if you're going to compare it to Gold Standard, it's no Daniel Stern in Wonder Years, but it has close to those vibes of uh, just a sweet, nostalgic voice. Yeah, but I didn't think it was a, a, a it was a, a a nice baritone to lay a flat upon which the playground uh, it got to exist. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, uh, and this is what I mean too about like how does this movie exist? Like honestly in a certain sense I really respect this film because supposedly it's impossible to make like a kind of and I don't mean this as, as rude as it's going to sound, but like a movie that kind of is boring and a movie that kind of like doesn't have a big hook to it. Like even for established directors, this is very, very hard to do these days. Yeah, right? I would say uh, that's cool that he got who, to make this movie. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean uh, Richard Linklater, people such as myself are uh, checking out. This is why we're talking about it now. Uh, but it really is like uh, people who grew up in the sixties uh, because uh, that's where like the, the meat and of this movie is, and it's like a lot of like cool stuff, like. Uh, I mean, I mean, there's the, if there's something universal that we all can relate to is the universal boredom in entertaining yourself as a child. Yeah, uh, like, I mean, it's a fucking great look at childhood. I think my favorite thing in it was like he sees a lot of movies and just like loves them, loves watching them, and like I mean, just talking about pop culture, this kid, uh, how it much uh, seeped into his life. Uh, my favorite thing in the in the film is uh, he saw 2001: A Space Odyssey and just can't shut up about it, and like. There's a part where he's like talking to uh, another kid about uh, the ending, specifically the ending of 2000 Space oh my Odyssey. God. And I felt the, very sad. And scene. the kid just, <laughs> kid just slinks away as this kid's like explaining <laughs> what it could possibly be. <laughs> it, it's, it's fun. And uh, yeah, man. Uh, and then f- it hits you with some fucking needle drops, which uh, we're, we're also talking about dazed and confused. But like, I mean, I'm not going to complain about needle drops. It just adds so much sense of time and. Uh, taste of the characters and uh, it was very specific especially to like his sisters about like how much they like the monkeys or how how what ruled the times too yeah yeah it is interesting i mean it is just it's somebody very desperately not desperately but somebody like you know you just have you start to realize that people don't remember this stuff anymore and that everybody it's, who it's... used to think about this stuff is dying and like it does make you want to be like it was real. It was real. It happened. Yeah, the 60s were over 
damn, we're over 50 years 50 ago years at this ago, point, too. Yeah, I know. It's pretty wild. Like, I mean, this is, I mean, I, this is the kind of shit, I, dumb shit I'm always thinking about. And I'm going to talk about this again during Days and Confused. But like, making this movie now is like making a movie with, when I was a kid, say in like 1990, it's like a movie set in 1940. You know, like, that's yeah. crazy, you know? Yeah, damn. But it did hit on like, just being a kid, which is, I think we all, like, maybe not as good as something as, say, like, The Sandlot did, which uh, was actual original in its storytelling, other than recanting. But there still was stuff like uh, they go to an amusement park, and, uh, like, they get to see a Yeti jumps out and screams at them, and then they, they wrote it so much they got to see him smoke a cigarette because he wasn't tired of doing it. Uh <laughs> And then there's like a whole, like, I guess a huge aspect of this movie because it's set in Houston. Their dad worked for NASA is the actual 60s space race stuff. And I mean, that's where the other stuff came to be, to, to be the actual, the, if there is a plot, him uh, lying about being a kid in space, which is fun the conspiracy movie, I, dumb I think shit. the movie, it, at, the, at, at first it presents it as if it's real and it's really happening. And then it is literally yeah. not mentioned for the next 30 to 40 minutes of the movie to the point that I forgot that it was happening. And then yeah, it comes back. really just drop it. They completely drop it. It comes back, but it they then they just kind of make it seem like it's a dream, and they don't really address it again. <laughs> like about like how it's kind of intercut with him falling asleep watching the moon landing, and it just makes it seem like he's imagining that it's him because he's falling asleep. You know? Yeah, he is. Uh, uh, I mean, kids lie all the time. I, 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 I've had a, some great not, liars growing up. Not uh, my child, Caleb. I don't know what kind of degenerate children you're hanging around. Just wait for it. Um, but also, I don't know. There is a little bit of like he was the the character Stan, who is the narrator and the young protagonist of our film here, uh, is the youngest of six kids. So there is a little bit of extra whimsy in that he's holding on to his childhood and uh there was a little bit of metaphor for uh space being the transition that uh maybe would have worked if he hit it harder but if you're smart enough you probably like yeah i get it and just yeah i don't know for me it was all about like the specifics of the 60s and what he what was actually going on because uh, some of it I didn't know and some of it I super related to like seeing a movie with your grandma and it not it being a good movie <laughs> yeah, yeah but just yeah. such uh, I mean oh fuck if there's one thing that I think just hit me I, I probably hit everyone hard that they can relate to is he talks about the melancholy of watching TV on a Sunday night knowing <laughs> that with a weekend the weekend is over and the I week love- is in front of you I love that so much, and I completely have had that feeling my entire life, mm-hmm. like since I was that age as a kid. I yeah, thought that was great. Hundred percent, yeah. And he, he, for him, it was the wonderful world of Disney, which is like kind of cruel <laughs> to kids. I mean, they were they, that was still on at seven o'clock on Sunday nights when I was a kid. I thought they moved it Saturday when I was a kid. That was in the nineties. Yeah. I think we moved it to for Saturday. me. It anyway. was um, Hey Dude. My Hey Dude came on at like oh, five thirty or six. Maybe it's. It was I mean, maybe Simpsons seven. Was on at eight. Seven was Simpsons. on at eight because yeah. so there was this time period where my dad was living in like an hour and a half away from from us, and then because we were going to move, but we just hadn't. They were letting me finish the school year, and then I, and then we moved. But so it was. It was not just that it was school the next day, but it was like my daddy would had to drive away, <laughs> and I was so sad because I knew him and <laughs> he had to go like when the show came on. But it was like one of my favorite shows too, and so I would watch it and I would be like so sad and so happy all at once. It was very. <laughs> It was very complicated. Thank goodness HBO still does that for us <laughs> uh, with their Sunday night programming. Um, yeah, it's it, that is true too. It was yeah, I, I really like that, and it does have good stuff in it. Some of the stuff is really cute, and and again, it's it's even interesting to think. Part of the reason I wasn't thrilled with this movie is like, as somebody who grew up in the eighties and nineties, like basically a huge percentage of the stuff I've seen in my life has been about the sixties, like a huge, huge amount of it. But if you're, if you're 10 years old today, like maybe that's not true. You know what I mean? I mean, they're getting to watch 90 shit. They get to watch friends in full house. That sucks for them. Yeah. I was actually thinking today, Caleb, and maybe, you know, the answer to this. Um, like if you're somebody who's like 25 and under, like what would you sing at karaoke? Do you think, uh, Mr. Brightside, Mr. Brightside. Okay. That's a good one. Like pop uh, punk, maybe? Would is that something they're into? Yeah, uh, Adele. If you're a good singer, oh, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know. What, I don't know what pop punk is. There is. 
don't know. I'm thinking of like big belting songs. That's... Like Blink-182. Would somebody who's 25 do a Blink-182 song? Maybe. It is. They're, they're, uh, Avril Lavigne, maybe? Those are like the uh, 80s music to kids, those kids, oh which is God, fucking that's wild. That's so true. That's so true. <laughs> How like we knew 80s music. Oh uh, yeah, wow. Fuck, damn. Uh, uh, but yeah, I would agree with you in the sense that it is a little uh, treacly and nostalgic. Uh, and that just means it's for a different type of part of your brain or a different audience in general. Um, I mean, there is some decent actual filmmaking to it. I mean, it's uh, like I said, it's uh, uh, in the vein of his scanner Darkly Waking Life, nearly not as experimental or uh, philosophical as those films, but mm-hmm. there is like some cool, like uh, when they show the screen, they'll like change the film stock stuff that I was like, Oh, that's cool. That would probably expensive to do. And he does have a Netflix budget to, 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 to waste. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I but bet yeah. what you're saying, because so much of it was done on green screen and then it's animated. Like animation is of course expensive, more expensive than you would think. But mm-hmm. given that they could do the entire thing in like a warehouse, basically, I'm sure it was like extremely cheap to make this movie. Uh yeah, I, I can't find a budget. I couldn't find a couldn't I couldn't find a budget. Couldn't find a budget, and, isn't it? Anywhere. What? But yeah, I mean, he did get like a lot of his friends to 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 be in it. Uh, uh Bill Wise has been in uh, uh the other uh Waking uh, other Richard Linklater movies, Waking Life. Uh, who he played the dad. Uh, was drawn as the dad, and uh, I forget who the mom was off the top of my head. I'll make try to look it up, but she is also like one of those weird commercial actresses that kind of cool that she was in this uh and uh the kid might be someone someday he would know he's just drawn but you know you have zach oh uh, uh zachary levy uh chuck oh, yeah yeah shazam chuck. was uh one of the men in black that's secret agents in this movie that's pretty funny <laughs> um yeah i mean it's 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 cute and it's sweet and some of it is fun but um i will say it also like and maybe it's just because i was watching it and i was tired but and I knew I had to watch it for the show, but it did feel a lot longer than <laughs> 90 minutes. It feels a lot longer than that. If it is a history lesson, it's like the weirdest parts of history to learn of just like every day what a kid do. Like uh, just uh, uh, there's a, a literally a part where he just names 40 TV shows in a row. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> that stuff was fun. That stuff was fun. I did make me think like I sometimes I think one of my problems is I'm not like I don't like self mythologize enough, you know, and I don't like think the things that happen to me are important. And it was just inspiring to see all somebody just being like, here are the things that just happened to me in my life. And there couldn't be more ordinary, but like, whatever, this is my human experience. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that very inspirational, you know, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's a movie for sure. Uh, it's a movie for sure. I agree. I would with say that. if you want to watch something with your parents uh, and you are a film student who wants to uh, learn about the mind of Richard Linklater, which you would should as a film student, uh, watch uh, *Politan and Have*. It's on Netflix. Uh, I didn't. I guess it's kind of funny. It's called Ten and a Half. It's kind of a funny title because it's like the kid is ten and a half, and it's right yeah. before Apollo Eleven, which is the yeah. landing. Yeah, a space age childhood. This is an unnecessary qualifier to me, but I get why they put yeah. that in there. Not necessary. I agree, one hundred percent. But yeah, I mean, space is like a big part of their childhood. Like, uh, I mean, I, I, I would be. It, it was interesting in the sense that, like, hey, uh, this is marketed towards us, and the president's talking about it. It's important. Uh, and they did every once in a while, like talk about, hey, uh, black people don't care about the space. Yeah. I, th- I think we talked about we talked about uh, summer of soul. Uh, summer, summer of soul. It was very similar, <laughs> actually, to those men on the street interviews. Like, yeah, right? yeah. Some of them were like, I was like, is this the same interview? But like, mm-hmm. I don't. I think it was just a common thing people thought. Of I think there was a hint of uh, uh, Vietnam or like other things happening, but uh, they dismissed it, uh, and I think rightfully so for the type of movie it is, and they kudos to them for 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 justifying it like i was a kid i didn't pay attention to that stuff like yeah that's yeah, true. i mean fair yeah <laughs> that's yeah. this movie he's a uh, kid recollections that you're not gonna care you're, like, you're kind of aware of it but absolutely not at all <laughs> yeah it was one of the things i liked about the yeah the space age childhood stuff so a big a big part of the movie is about him talking about living in houston and like the astronauts are everywhere and like just like the kind of space culture is is everywhere and i thought because I've had this experience where I've, I've thought some something was like a really big deal and like was everywhere. And then I look it up on the internet and I can only find like one or two like 
you know, like the one clip from this one movie. And I'm like, but it, but that's just like, feels like it was everywhere, but it's because it's not just in the one place. It's in like, like this movie shows it's in like local ads for the car dealership. And it's like the theme of the mini golf course. <laughs> and it's like the, you know, there's some name on a menu that is yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. It gives it, that's kind of the way something can really pervade your life, but those aren't the kinds of things you can like Google at this point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I really loved seeing that kind of stuff. All Yeah. There all was captured. like a, they cut like local commercials or like the car dealerships had like, we have space sales now yeah, and stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous, so <laughs> which is funny. Uh, and like TV do, shows, uh, nobody remembers that we're like, we're like that, but like, you no, know, literally, I guess even I had not heard of some of the TV shows that he talks about. He did talk about what, uh, 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 maybe I'll tra- use that as the transition. <laughs> uh, he did talk about uh, uh, Gilligan's Island, which also comes up very <laughs> in Days and Confused, yes. too. Yeah, you want to talk another, about Days and Confused now? Another look back nostalgic, but in a very different yet oddly similar Richard Linkletter way. Uh, yeah. ni- 1993's Days and Confused. The 50s were boring. The 60s rocked. The 70s, oh my god, they obviously suck. Dazed and confused. See it with a bud. Behind every good man, there's a woman. And that woman was Martha Washington, man. And every day George would come home, she'd have a big fat bowl waiting for him, man, when he'd come in the door, man. She was a hip, a hip, hip lady, man. Billowing secondhand smoke as joints are passed around in a lava lamp lit bedroom and in muscle cars at outdoor parties. Accompanying needle drops from 70s rock icons Foghat and Aerosmith. These add to the flowing, easygoing nature of Richard Linklater's cult classic Dazed and Confused. Amid the good vibes and amiable plot and all rights, all rights, all rights is a very melancholic center. Freshman flee in terror from ritualistic hazing. A young man is caught between his life as the big man on campus and pledging allegiance to a team in the name of greater good. A nerd looking to break out, uh, only to be beaten up horribly. Uh, in Dazed and Confused, the freedom to roam is apparent, but we still run up against the monsters of expectation and tradition. All in the night of teenagers getting high and partying. It is the sadder aspects that raises Dazed and Confused to a higher level within the stoner canon. Sure, we are regaled of stories of George Washington's weed fields, but it's part of a tapestry uh, there are no big lessons or portents of what's to come it's just time spent l-i-v-i-n chris this is the transition to you speaking now hey fantastic caleb well um yeah what if i mean how many times in your life have you seen days and confused i mean dude i was thinking that too uh 10, 15, yeah. Yeah, a lot. I mean, this used to literally be one of the movies. I mean, we it's a 420 episode and we're talking about like stoner movies, but um, this is one of the movies in my life that I literally would like smoke pot with people and sit around and watch this movie and like have seen it so many times and like just parts of it or, you know, or just like walked in the room or whatever. And yeah, I mean, it's just funny to think what a big, and it, it's a movie that can be consumed that way because like we're saying like slacker it's a movie that is follows this like conversational logic and it's just like groups of people hanging out and nothing much is happening but like everything is happening you know mm-hmm. uh, it was and i hadn't watched it in a long time so it was nice to sit down and watch it Same. again yeah. and see how like it was funny to remember how i used to feel when i was watching it when i was younger because i started it came out when i was a teen right or when i was 11 or 12 but um, I saw it when I was like a, a teen, like a young teen. I used to be so scared of the um, Ben Affleck and his friends like running <laughs> after everybody a to band, battle yeah. them. I used to I used to be so scared of that because I would like imagine if that would happen to me, I would be like terrified. Like, I just don't think I could have handled that happening to me in, in my life, you know. Um, but watching it again, I was like, oh, it's like not it's really not that bad. Like, why was I so scared of that whole thing? Um, it probably would have been good for me to like get chased down and paddled when I was like 13. That would have been great for my life, actually. <laughs> Instead, I was like petrified of watching a movie about it until I was 25. <laughs> so, you know, it's like not great. But I mean, this movie is one of the all time stoner classics because it is not necessarily I mean, it is about pot. And that is kind of like the driving engine of the movie in a certain way. Right. It's like the ending is all about like not signing the pledge that you won't smoke pot. Um 
but it, it as much as it's a, it's just it has this kind of conversational you know we, you're always like people are always meeting each other for the first time in this movie and like kind of awkwardly trying to have a conversation and figure out if they like each other or not and like yeah it's a good way to get to know the characters too when they actually meet each other because there's also the, there's familiarity between characters as well yeah, but it's just like I I mean I what can you say about this movie Caleb? Like it, it's yeah, a fantastically it's, made piece of art and mm-hmm. it is it is a classic for a reason. It, in its way, it's a film of uh, beyond an approach. Uh, it it's integrated in the canon in multiple ways. It's a stoner film. It's actually uh, an amazingly a piece of nostalgia. It is uh yeah, even like the filming techniques of uh, uh, it was a studio film. There's uh like I said it was after Slacker which no narrative and this is hardly a narrative uh and this was his first studio film this was Linklater's first studio film he was uh 31 years old and all about putting the detail in there too like i remember reading he fought uh, there's a scene at uh, a little league game because uh their eighth grader is graduating going to high school so he's still in little league uh he pitches a game and he gets the last out and he wanted richard Linklater fought to show the lineup of kids are going good game good game, good game. <laughs> oh my god really uh, like of course, put that in there. That's what happens. That's the fucking detail you put in there. I know. Actually, um, seeing that, I was like, when I saw that good game sequence, I was like, "This is so cool that this is in yeah. here because this is what you do. This is what it's like to have a little league game." Um, and uh, yeah, so like, it was his first movie. He knew he was being watched. I, I just learned learned this because uh, uh, word got to him that Tom Pollock, the head of Universal in in the nineties, the head of Universal, the fucking huge sure. studio, uh, he just found out that Tom Pollock just watched Slacker a week before they had, they started filming. Oh so God. he knew that he was like <laughs> going to get watched uh, and good for him. He, uh, uh, after he did it and filmed it and they tested it, uh, they asked him to do reshoots. He fought against doing reshoots, which is 31 direct year old director. Uh, damn. And uh, I didn't know much about it. Uh, Cause uh, um, I was six or how was I in 1983? Uh, I was eight years old. Uh, so, I didn't know that it was poorly marketed. It was marketed as like a fun teen comedy, which yeah. is not, it should this movie should have been marketed to like people in their thirties. It kind of is a fun teen comedy. I mean, I certainly, it is, no, it is but also it's not for like, yeah, also it's not at all, teens yeah. at the top for a teen at the time. Yeah. I mean, well, let me say, Oh, well, I mean, I was a teen, not at the time, but a couple of years later, um, like I was saying, I actually did really identify with it. I mean, I did. We, me and my oh, friends, yeah. did look at it as a as a teen comedy. I mean, oh, yeah, it's not, the, not not because of the marketing, not because <laughs> of the marketing. Yeah, no, I mean, just because it is a great fun movie to watch. Yeah, and exactly, it is funny. Yeah. Um, and it's great because it's one of those classic like it's like Mean Girls where they're showing you all the different clicks in school, except they don't like go through and tell you and go like, here's yeah, this yeah. click and here's this click, but you can just very easily, you know, it's like different groups. If of anything, uh, our lead, uh, well, I don't think he's the lead, but, um, uh, pink, pink Floyd, uh, the quarterback is like such within all the clicks that, uh, we get to meet the clicks because of, uh, well, and, him just being cool with everybody. And that's another thing I really love about the, about the way that the click thing is done is that, because they don't say like, this is the jocks and this is the nerds and this is the drama kids. It's like, it's so much more like real life because they just show you that these people are similar and they have similar vibes, but they kind of, they hang out with other kids and you know, they like everything's shifting all the time and everybody kind of knows everybody a little bit, which is a lot more what high school was actually like in my experience, you know, like it's just like real life now. Like you have two or three people you'd like to hang out with the most, but you have like other friends and you see other people and it's even more in high school because you're all kind of forced to be together all the time. Um, so I thought that was like, it's, that's like really, really well. Oh yeah. 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 I have people you don't know and people, you know, and there's new people coming in and and it's like somebody's a friend of somebody and you're just everywhere you go all the time. You're like, who are you? What's your deal? Okay. Yeah. Um, which is like so fun and, and interesting. And, um, and, uh, and also, uh, to talk about the high schoolness of it, uh, the, the world is ours or like the, uh, like they get to the bar is there, the billiard hall is theirs. Uh, they don't get carded. Oh God, they, yeah. they just get to live their lives for this uh, last day of school. It's basically, I mean, the whole concept of hazing, which uh, like you mentioned, Ben Affleck, uh, uh, two Ben Affleck movies in a row here uh, oh, we're doing on the funny, podcast. Right. Uh, and I would say two, uh, I mean, this is a standout 
role as uh, him as O'Bannon. Uh, one of his first movies. Uh, yeah, this one so and good. like <laughs> Rats, right? These are the two like real good. Yeah, Rats was a couple years later, which is uh, the other London. This was a uh, Days and Cues had Jason and uh, this one had uh, Mallrats had Jeremy. <laughs> the twin brothers, the twin Londons. That's so strange. <laughs> That's very strange. But it is funny to see because for some reason I think of Ben Affleck as somebody because I guess because you know in that he wrote at Goodwill Hunting and that he directed movies and he is an intelligent person. But it's funny to go back and look at his filmography and realize he's basically only played dumbass meatheads, like literally his entire career. Oh, and he's not. It's just like his action starring vehicles. It's yeah, kind of kind of dumb. He shit, is yeah. most believable and most successful as just some absolute shithead, you know, which is really interesting, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Caleb, I don't know what else. Yeah. I mean, there was actually I mean, a bunch of to... anniversary stuff about this movie a few years ago. I remember. And I meant to go look up and did not the big oral history. Oh, that's like I looked at some of the criterion stuff about it, which uh, the, uh, thank God the criterion come and just actually like put a definitive collection out because it was one of those things where like, oh, we're going to make our movies because it was a cult hit in the 90s yeah. uh, that they've just released it twice on DVD with just different covers. So <laughs> criterion for getting the actual film, appreciate the filmmaking behind it. But I mean, the thing about it that we could just run down now is the the, the fucking cast of this movie. We talked about Ben Affleck, but uh, the, the female counterpart to him of the hazing is uh, Parker Posey, fucking hilarious. Posey, amazing. The amazing Parker Posey getting to be amazing. In a- Doing an amazing performance as being, yeah, just kind of like a bitchy, like, um, but like also very sweet and great, you know. Also, I was terrified of Parker Posey, I have to tell you, in this movie, like mm-hmm. the way it's that scary. she's yelling at all of them and she's like squirting them with ketchup and making them crawl around. She on the like, yeah, she only gets like maybe two scenes. That Calling everybody first sluts. Scene. Yeah. yeah, and it, it's ter- she's whistle. terrifying. She's terrifying. It's scary. And then it comes back around at the end where they're all at the big party and it's like kind of over, but she's still like in that mode of yeah, kind of like the Ben Affleck of just being like, hey, we're the ones in charge. I did like that they have Ben Affleck was uh, a senior. He failed. So this yeah, is his second year twice. It's pretty funny. <laughs> and then, of course, the other one with you have to say with Parker Posey is Joey Lauren Adams, who is like yeah. also great in this movie. Just like just kind of seems like a regular person. <laughs> Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, uh, Mila Jovich, Jovich Mila is also Jovich in is it. Uh, yeah. Good stoner. I think she. I think she just smokes bongs the whole time yeah, in it. That's so funny. Uh, I think uh, it's good for us for not talking about it yet. But uh, a presence in this movie, uh, uh, you can't not talk about Matthew McConaughey. I mentioned oh it already. Uh, yeah, he got cast from at a hotel because uh, the casting director, the same casting director actually of uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, that's a very that's interesting. interesting. Anyway, uh, found Matthew McConaughey at a hotel bar. His friend, who said his friend told him to come down, there was a casting director here, and he barely did. Uh, <laughs> and he got cast as uh, the iconic Wooderson in this movie with all of the lines that you remember. Damn. Um, yeah, no, and it's crazy. I mean, this is like, right, he was like not an actor essentially at this time that he was in yeah. this movie. And he's just such a naturally charismatic person. You're just immediately drawn to him. And he's, you know, I mean, obviously he's older than everybody. He has several like completely immortal lines in this yeah, movie. And um, it's just like, it's, again, like you're saying, like he doesn't, he doesn't particularly do anything. It's not like there's like a big heist or whatever. It's just like, he just comes in, he walks into scenes and acts really fucking cool. And like, it's like, and you as the viewer are like, this is very important. This guy is extremely cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just funny. It's just funny the way that, you know, that is not, I mean, I talk about this a lot on the other show, but it's like, this is, they, I mean, this, uh, this whole idea of what a movie could be is, doesn't really exist anymore. I I would say, you know, the, the way that it's like this kind of a bunch of, weirdos hanging out together is not really what kind of movie they make anymore. Maybe it was done so perfectly by Linklater that (laughs) just it's yeah. Like you said, it's not necessarily a hangout movie. It's just more of, I think uh, 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 there was something that Linklater said that stuck with me uh, that he didn't like eighties teen movies as this is just teenagers to like were, Breakfast Club, John Hughes movies. Uh, and that's not true to life. And maybe this is what I said earlier. Like, he just wanted to make a movie that was more real to life. It's uh, conversational. Uh, he, like, it's a, it's a 
comedy. It's also a, like drama. Like the line is blurred, but it's low key. Like big things didn't happen to you in high school. <laughs> and, like in movies, uh, like you'd have an epic day off or anything. You didn't like have most people don't get to get the girl. Most people are the people in the background. When people in the background, dude, they're fucking getting high. Yeah, you just hang out with your weird <laughs> friends and like ride around and like even when stuff that's like, it's. I mean, this is the funny thing about life. A lot of times, I think is even when something really exciting happens like there's a point where one of the cars of kids gets like shot at it's like what you want to do is get away from the crazy thing that's happening and then get back to doing boring stuff like that is basically the motivation of every human being (laughs) is like when something absolutely noteworthy is going on you just want you're like oh this should stop now (laughs) i don't want this to happen anymore uh, yeah and then you don't even really talk about it afterwards you know what i mean like it's you just go on living yeah um L-I-V-I-N living, yeah. I mean. <laughs> uh, there is like a philosophy to Richard Linkletter of his nostalgia in that nostalgia minimizes pain. To pull a quote that Richard Linkletter himself said at the time of Days and Confused uh, release, uh, quote, uh, really any person with a brain should hate high school. It's that simple. I mean, doesn't that make sense? How can you like being completely oppressed by an atmosphere of authority and submission with mind indoctrination abounding? There's nothing good about high school. If you have a brain, you're hoping to just survive and get out. And then you can like quest for real freedom, end quote. Um, Yeah, I I relate to that more. Like, uh, I mean, there's characters in this movie who would relate to that too. There's a character who says, uh, these are the best years of my life kill me now <laughs> i mean i did i will say i did like being in high school at least at a certain <laughs> point at a certain point it wasn't bad but also like geez it's like you told all to do it like yeah way more freedom i mean were you doing uh, stuff like this caleb did you go no, out to like parties a, in the woods and like no i got i was a, a lonely kid i watched a lot of film no this is TV. i did i did a lot i mean I was a big nerd. I mean, I always had friends, but I was a big I'm I was a big nerd for a long time. There's actually something really great in this movie I was thinking about in relation to my high school experience, which was like there's this so one of the very early things that happened, right? We're talking about Parker Posey and Joey and Lauren Adams are hazing all these girls, and then one of the girls they end up talking to, and then they're like, Oh, do you want to come hang out with us tonight? You know? And so she goes and gets picked up and is hanging out with them. And it's like, you know, they're like smoking pot and like having beers. And there's just a couple shots of her like sitting in the backseat of the car while they're talking just kind of. And she just has this look like, I can't believe I'm getting to do this, mm-hmm. which is so great. And I, I totally remember having that feeling when I was a freshman, like this kid I knew picked me up from my house and drove, we drove around and like went to meet some people on the beach and just hang out. And he was like drinking liquor out of a bottle while he was driving the entire time and i was like i I can't believe this is happening like this is like i'm in a fucking movie this is amazing it's so cool with the mitch kramer character too gets that too it's funny you mentioned that uh her character's name was sabrina the girl Mm -hmm. the freshman girl um uh like i said there's uh this is a cut scene uh of maybe a movie that was too sad to be uh maybe it's thankfully it's not as sad as it got but uh there's a cut scene of the, when they drop off Sabrina at her home. Uh, they cut before she actually goes into the house. We assume that she goes in the house, but they cut in the uh, deleted scene. She waits for the car to leave and like goes down an alley to like a poor looking house, a house off the street uh, because she's uh, embarrassed that she lives in a, 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 a cheaper, like she's not as affluent as the, the, the richer characters uh, that, that class consciousness, which a hundred percent exists. Uh, and uh, maybe is a little bit too sad for the vibes that this movie ultimately was. But I can see why they cut it, and uh, maybe I can see why he didn't fight for it. But yeah, there is that like sadness to this movie too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's totally fucking crazy. <laughs> but yeah, we could also concentrate on like there's a lot going. Like, um, I mean, the actual filmmaking of this movie is. very well done and obviously like i mean like uh, they don't make them like this anymore like a hangout like yours i mean exactly look at richard linkletter so in 1993 he's getting to make this movie with like locations and a bunch of extras and cars and you know like children who have to work all kinds of crazy hours off the off the strength of slacker off the strength of slacker which is not yeah (laughs) which was not successful strictly put do you know what i mean yeah 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 it was a cult 
even it's called I'm, filmmaker movie not even yeah, yeah. i would say dazed and confused is a filmmaker's film as well but yeah go ahead but then like decades later after making all these movies that make hundreds of millions of dollars for hollywood he's i won't say reduced to but he's making this movie that's like on a green screen mostly a cartoon for a streaming service because otherwise like it's really hard to get a movie made. It's really, really hard to get a movie made. <laughs> and um, it, this this movie is just, they're great. And it was successful. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Why Why don't they make them like this anymore, Caleb? I really don't uh, know. Yeah. Uh, who knows what directors are into? Maybe we're a post-90s independent funded things. Uh yeah, I don't know. There's a, a lot just reading about the film in general. Like I did, like I said, it's a filmmaker's film. Like I learned that uh, this was filmed early 90s, uh, obviously in Austin, Texas. Uh, a young filmmaker lived in Austin at that time. His name was Wes Anderson and his friend Owen Wilson. Uh, they snuck onto the set of Dazed and Confused just to watch it being filmed. That's extremely uh, cool. I love and then that. I, uh, the quotes are like, they looked up to Rick. He was the guiding light for them. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Duplass brothers, I think, uh, I think Jay went to college in Texas somewhere and uh, saw this film and was like, oh no, this is, I can't make films. This is such that good of a film. And yeah, this is uh, Tarant- one of Tarantino's. I've heard him say amazing things about it that uh, he uh listed it on his sight and sound poll of the greatest films of all time along with jaws and tax driver and also bad news bears uh, but, uh quentin tarantino weirdo um, but he also uh introed the film when it was inducted to the texas film hall of fame i'll, I'll quote to quentin tarantino here saying it's my favorite movie of the 90s may, maybe the only movie that three different generations of college students have seen multiple times Quinn said he saw it in theater. Uh, one of the two films he saw in theaters while he was making Pulp Fiction uh, had this speech about going to Amsterdam because for his personal writer's retreat, he had writer's block and it was just going miserable. And he went to a video store and he rented Dazed and Confused. <laughs> and it was like, it's a, I'll read the quote. It's a real hangout movie and you really get to know this whole community of people in the film. Those people have become my friends. Um, <laughs> So if you're a weirdo, <laughs> as Fantastic. me and Quentin Tarantino are, like this is just, it's weird how it this film pervades into, like I said, it's the Citizen Kane of Stoner films for a fucking reason. Uh, there's so many like awesome things about it, like even just watching it now for the whatever time, uh, like I forgot how like even just like a car wash scene where like they put these girls in the back of a truck and they're getting sprayed in the face and just like tiny little acting moments and just attention to detail or even just pulling back and letting a music play around goes, uh, God damn. It's just, uh, you could watch it as a stoner. You could watch it. I wasn't stoned when I watched it the other day. I was drunk at least. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank God for that. Caleb. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I probably, I kind of do want to, go ahead and watch it again. Stone. Yeah. There's like so much aspects. We're not talking about it. Cause it's weirdly that deep of a film. It is. It is. Can I just say really quickly, I forgot Anthony yeah. Raff was in this movie and I mm-hmm. was really excited to see him a very, like he doesn't look like any version of Anthony Raff. You think you remember <laughs> like he's a huge, a square jawed, surprisingly muscular kid with like blonde hair down to his shoulders. <laughs> And his jaw is huge in this movie. He looks like he's going to grow up to look completely different than how he, he looked for a very long time. Yeah, Tim and Goldberg playing the Tim and Goldberg, yeah. Nerds, Goldberg's yeah. great. And uh, Rabisi's sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, um, great, great. Great shit. Should we do, like, you want to make a choice here, Caleb? Oh, I do. Let's uh, say you had to pick one of these two movies or you had to never see your best friends again. Good Lord, I will pick Dazed and Confused. Apollo 10 and a half. A charming little feature, uh, maybe only for Richard Linklater completists, um, yeah, right. but charming or children, enough. or children, or Richard Linklater's friends, uh, people, His immediate family, yeah, <laughs> the immediate Houston area of 1960. Yes, anybody uh, who grew up down the street from Richard Linklater in the 1960s in Houston. Uh, but yeah, watching it like it was rewatching Days of Confused. It's absolutely funny. It's absolutely gut wrenching at points. Uh, they have such amazing needle drops, even better. Uh, the film, like it's not, it's, 
it's plotless in the sense that it ends with them going to buy Aerosmith tickets as a as a song plays. Uh, yeah, he knows how to pull back. He knows how to like. There's some beautiful shots of them at the Moon Tower, uh, uh, this tower that they get, have the open air party at. Oh, man, it's just they don't. It is what I want from film. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of the film I, I like is informed by watching this. I remember the first time I watched it too. And it was like, Oh, this is what I uh, always being like told that it was a good film. Like, Oh, this is what this film is. <laughs> and then just thinking about it and always going back and it's stoner funny. It's uh, acting funny. It's filmmaking uh, at, the, at a high level, uh, just an amazing piece of artwork. Uh, and I really honestly forgot how great days and confused was. And yeah, that's where I got to rewatch it. I mean, hundred percent same, brother. I totally forgot how. I mean, I, I, in in a way, it's tough to rewatch for me because it is one of those movies I've seen maybe you know a hundred times, literally. Watching it again after so long, it's actually like I've been kind of getting back into stuff that I I overdid as a younger person, and been relieved to see that I still find myself like connecting with it in in a way and that it, it isn't actually bad. Like sometimes I get worried that all the stuff I used to like, like actually is bad and sucks. And I, sh- and like, you know, I should be embarrassed and I have bad days, but like it occasionally it's nice to find something is really good that I, I liked. Mm-hmm. And, and this is one of those things a hundred percent. It's just, a very and it was very influential. Weirdly, I mean, it, of course, it's one of these like like you're mentioning. It's a very big part of the 1990s independent film movement, which was much more about conversation than action. You know, that this was like every cool indie movie was just about some weird people talking somewhere. You've got mm-hmm. like Metropolitan and Barcelona from Whit Stillman. You've got um, Clerks, obviously. Sure, sure, sure. Um, then even a movie Soderberg like, stuff, yeah. it's kind of like mainstream movie from later in the 90s, but like Go, which is kind of just a ripoff of this movie. <laughs> it's uh, a packaged, the Happy Meal version of it. Yeah, exactly. It's just about people looking for a party. A bunch of different people driving around trying to find a party, which mm-hmm. is, you know, what this movie is. Yeah, 200 cigarettes, which sucked. Um, 200 cigarettes, a, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was a very big mode of filmmaking at, at the time, which is, you know, I mean, I'm biased, obviously, because I grew up with those kind of movies, so I, I like them. Um, but yeah, the, the philosophical and uh, purposeful laziness to it, uh, yeah. that which is called detail uh it, just <laughs> yeah. a, an amazing uh film it's probably his best movie which uh, i don't know i would i would yeah i mean i would hear arguments for uh the before trilogy any of the any of the before trilogy and also uh someone could come out of school of rock it's probably a great argument for school of rock it's there. like a it's like a well it's like a it's like a script writing book movie a school of rock you know it's like yeah, perfect yeah. Well, from he didn't, that point of view Right, uh, School of Rock. He just directed. He knew what to right. concentrate as a filmmaker on it. Which, right, right. hey, Jack Black and kids, yeah. amazing, <laughs> jumping around, being silly. Yeah, right, great, perfect. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. Um, that's it, man. I think we did it. Yeah. Congratulations four, to us. A four twenty episode where of a film podcast that talks about uh, how great Days and Confused is. Put it in the box. <laughs> I can't believe it took us so long to get there, brother. I can't believe it. For sure. Good night. Night. Um, you doing okay? You doing okay? Yeah, yeah. I was just okay. uh opening my Richard Linkletter tab and notes. <laughs> opening my Richard Linkletter tab. Dangerous. My, I might never close again. My Richard Linkletter links. My links later. Your links letter. My links I save for later. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> and the podcast. Um, yeah, you're fucking out of your goddamn mind, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs>